How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Sean and Matt Show. My name is Matt. That is Sean, and welcome to our show. Sean, action-packed show today. We are talking about Zillow, all about Zillow and their iBuyer program. We Love started it. covering Zillow and their iBuyer program ever since they came out with it a couple of years ago, talking about what cities it's in, how it's going to affect the market. And now it's going to affect the market big time because they have stopped buying houses um, as of a few days ago, yeah. um, according to CNN, according to Zillow, and every other publication out there. Um, they're stopped, uh, they stopped buying houses for the rest of 2021. What does this mean? What signs for the real estate market can we glean from this? And ultimately, um, did Zillow just screw up completely? That's what we're going to get into. First of all, Sean, when you saw all of the news break about uh, Zillow halting their home buying iBuyer program, what was like your initial reaction to it? Yes. Yes. No, you know me. Like I'm always like Zillow. Uh, they're, the, they're kind of the enemy. That's always the way I felt. But, um, you know, at first I was thinking, all right, what is the market telling us? Um, there are so many different things that we could get from this until I read the articles. But I was thinking, all right, is the market pulling back? Um, why are they doing this? Right. And it was just a few months ago. I swear it was just a few months ago where we were talking about how the investors were coming in. Uh, they were they were raising money for this iBuyer and they were raising like hundreds of millions of dollars to promote and to push forward to purchase all these homes. And they'd started doing that. And then all of a sudden to make it stop completely for the rest of the year is is huge. Like what happened? Right. And so, yeah, let's go into that. Yeah. So the uh, quote unquote reason by Jeremy Waxman, Zillow's chief operating officer is we are operating within a labor and supply constrained economy inside a competitive real estate market, especially in the construction, renovation, and closing spaces. We are pausing new contracts that will enable us to focus on sellers already under contract with us and our current home inventory. So basically they're saying it's a supply issue, supply well, and, and demand issue. And that's real. Um, and that could be a real legitimate reason. I mean, if you look at any of the new construction- But are you over, buying that reason? Because Redfin's not no, stopping. No, I'm not. I'm Open just going to go- not stopping. I, I'm not buying it, right. but I'm going to go into why that could be real. And that's the thing is like, when you go and do anything right now, uh, for any of our little- projects that we're doing here along the orange line or, you know, our homes that we're selling, we're painting them. Right. And my contract was like, there's no paint. I, I can't find paint. And that was due to a shortage in Texas. There was a storm that came through and wiped out one of the, the manufacturing plants and, and that screwed up the, the chain um, of supply chain. But uh, it's true with appliances and all this other thing, all these other things. So builders have had to slow or push back settlement dates um, because of these. Now, it really depends on who you're doing. So it could be a legitimate reason, but I do not believe that it is the real reason. Yeah, there's something else going on there because if your competitors are not halting their businesses, I mean, what they're doing is they're trying to scale a construction business. You know, they bought 3,800, they's in Zillow, bought 3,800 homes in Q2 of 2021. All of last year, they bought 4,000 homes. So, so they essentially bought as many homes in Q2 as they did all of last year. Now, grand scheme of things, 3,800 homes, not a lot of homes. You know, iBuyers still only make up about 1% of the entire market. So this isn't a large share. But when you have a billion-dollar company like Zillow, which, by the way, I think they have something like $3 billion in, in cash um, you, you know, on hand or, or cash equivalents on hand, um, that, that is a big deal. Yeah, but the thing is, you're buying three thousand eight hundred homes in different markets, and how many? Do you know how many markets they're, they're in? They're in right twenty five markets. So right twenty five markets. So that's twenty five markets. So you've got to hire people, 
it's the manpower that that they're saying is another problem, right? They don't have the manpower, and we're seeing that in a lot of industries that the manpower isn't there. But think about the logistics of this. You're buying 3,800 homes in 25 different markets. That means you have to have people to manage this stuff, right? What are you doing? Are you painting them? Are you renovating them? That means you have to have those people on the ground to be able to do that. Not only that, manage that property just somebody overseeing everything. This is a lot of work and we do this for our clients on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'll tell you, it adds a lot of work, uh, but it's a service that we provide. But like, can you imagine doing that in 25 different markets? You better have things logistically put out there so that you can manage this stuff. And I, I think that that was one of the problems that came up. Right? Yeah, and you know, once you get the four or five projects that we're working on, then, you know, the contractor gets the wrong paint, the wrong hardwood floors oh are bought, and then it's a whole mess. Well, so and the the, think about this. All right, say you have, um, all right, a set set of cabinets and a set paint color and blah, blah, blah that you're gonna do. Well, things change. Oh, this this isn't there, do you wanna switch? Who's Who's taking that question and who's actually doing the work? And so there are so many things that change as you move forward. And you can see logistically how much of a pain in the butt that could be with 3,800 houses. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a seller, let's just say if you're a seller, because right now Zillow's buying a lot of properties until recently, mm -hmm. but they're not really making a lot of money on these properties. If you yeah. look online in some of these markets like Phoenix and Charlotte and Raleigh, a lot of times it's the Zillow owned house that's sitting on the market going through price drops. Now, what Zillow has also said is that there's been an insatiable demand, solid PR team Zillow, insatiable, insatiable demand for sellers wanting to use the iBuyer program. By the way, I hope there would be because Zillow's been overpaying for these properties in an appreciating market. But guess what's happening, Sean? The market is starting to cool down. Yeah. How can you operate a fully fledged flipping and rehabbing business where you're overpaying for properties in a depreciating market? That's right. And that's that's another thing. And I feel like Zillow has always tried to push the people out of business, right? It's a tech business that's pushing the people out of real estate. You can't push people out of real estate. There are so many logistical things, whether it's an agent, or whether it's flipping or whatever it is. Now, here's the thing. If you read the article in Phoenix, the, the Phoenix market started cooling down, right? And all of the other iBuyers, the two other iBuyers that we'll talk about, were slowing down their, their purchasing. And they said, all right, well, we're starting to see this market cool. We're going to start paying less, right? We're going to watch the market. We know that we can get these properties for less. Zillow, on the other hand, did not. They didn't stop buying. They kept buying, bought more, and they were overpaying for them. So what they weren't doing was watching their own analytics to show them, or they didn't have the people on the ground to tell them, hey, the market's cooling, right? We as real estate agents are on the ground. We, we are watching our market. We feel the market. We can talk to other agents and we feel it. If you're not in that market and you're not feeling it, you're not knowing what's actually happening. And so I don't think they have the people on the ground to tell them, hey, the Phoenix market's cooling. Maybe we should pull back or stop paying or overpaying for these properties, right? Yeah, you know, a computer algorithm can only share and only tell you so much on paper. Sure, it might be, you know, one thing, but, you know, some of these properties, they, they may have these unknown, you know, market conditions that would affect them. Like I went to um, South, it looks like you're gonna say something. I went no, to South, South Fillmore Street the other day and, Home seller told me that Redfin, you know, different company, um, same different different iBuyer program, 
Redfin bought this house for eight sixty. I shared it with you. Yeah. They tried to list the home for nine twenty five. So eight sixty up to nine twenty five. Still on the market for eight thirty three. So they're essentially going to lose at least thirty to forty thousand dollars on that one property. And we've talked about this on a grand scale. When you're buying all these houses, if the market changes, it could go from assets to huge debt, humongous debts, right? How do you pay off those debts when when you're you're gaining all of this market? You're trying to gain market share by buying up houses. There's real costs that go with those houses. And then do you start rent them, renting them out to try to curtail some of that loss? Or what are you going to do? So I've gone through this myself when I was flipping properties and the markets can change really quickly. And once they do, you're going to find yourself holding an asset that is has depreciated big time in value. One thing about, you were talking about algorithms, and if you think about algorithms, right? So a sale of a property happens, we go under contract, and 30 to 45 days later, we close. A lot can happen in 30, 45 days. Algorithm sees, oh, they bought, all right, we priced this place at $975,000. It sells for a million bucks a month ago. It settles, you know, tomorrow, okay? Settles for a million bucks. But in that 45 day period, what has actually happened to the market, right? It can change very quickly. So those buyers aren't there anymore. So that million dollar sale that just sold, actually sold 45 days ago. And so in that time frame, that market could have cooled. Zillow's still buying things based on a million dollar price point, but actually the prices have come down. And so now you're overpaying big time. So if you don't know, if you don't keep up with this stuff, algorithms are gonna be behind and the actual people on the ground are gonna be in into the actual no. All right, so I have a two-pronged question for you. It might be three-pronged depending on, I'm like, just gonna just okay. throw like six questions at you and okay. you're gonna be like, I don't know how to answer these. Okay, so do you think Zillow has stopped their home buying process because they think that there's um, a market down, like their computer programs are telling them, hey, the market's going down, this, so we need to stop this program. And then the second part of this is, do you think an iBuyer program like this can work in a market crash or in a market that had that does have the depreciating values? Yeah, um, is, did, oh, so is this a market downturn first? Um, I, at first, I think I thought it was. I think it's a multitude of things. I think there is going to be a downturn now. What we're going to see over, and usually it's seasonal, right? But we have so many big things on up there, right? We we see supplies are are low, demand is still high. We can't get the supply out there enough. Um, people aren't they're not going to work, right? They're not working. So you're seeing uh, that kind of dissipate out into the workforce and they're probably not able to get the people in to do their work, right? And here's another thing to think about. That when when you don't have enough workers to do the work in the property, what happens? Demand goes up and so do prices, right? So the price to actually do the work has gone up and now it's eating into your profits. So I think they're probably thinking, all right, well, we kind of were learning a lesson on the Phoenix market. Wait, we were buying when the market was cooling. If that market's cooling, then probably about 20 other of our markets are cooling as well. So, hey, let's pull back, right? I think that's a, probably the number one reason. The second reason is logistics. But is it really logistics? Because you're a billion dollar company and you don't have the logistics together to do that. I, don't, I just don't buy that. I, I think that, you know, I, granted, iBuyer is a whole different segment of the market to get used to. But, I mean, they've got really brilliant people over there 
to, to do these kind of things. They do, and but do they have the contractors to do them? Because let me, let me throw yeah. this number at, at you. 3,800 houses in Q2, you know, 25 cities that they're in. You know, rough math is, uh, you know, divided by four quarters. That's like 38 houses in each city uh, per month that they're essentially selling. So you essentially have 40 houses per month, 40 projects per month in every single one of those 25 cities. So whoever's in charge in Phoenix is like, all right, I got to flip 40 houses or I need to paint spackle and put a new carpet in 40 houses in, you know, a four week time period, basically what, 10 houses um, a week. That's very hard to do. You're just, you're, you're you basically have a construction company now. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, I think it's half extreme like i think the reason that zillow stopped is one part it's just extremely hard to scale uh, essentially a construction company from nothing and then two they're not making any money on these they're losing money on it they're they're writing off so much losses on all of these properties where if they were making money on it they would continue to purchase like zillow like redfin and like open door yeah and open door continues to purchase and that's the thing is like so is it the logistics side of things that, or, or are they seeing something different? Because Open Door is still, still churning them, right? And if you look at how many they, so all of iBuyers bought about 15,000 houses, I think it was uh, this year. And that's about 1% of the total market. So they're buying 1% of the total market, which is pretty significant. Right? Yeah. Um, um, the other, the other question, I don't know if I got, I don't know if you said the answer, maybe you did. Um, do you think that this model can work when housing prices are falling? Um, well, no, I mean, if you, if you're buying based on the fact that, I mean, when, when a market falls, you never know when it's going to stop. And, and so when you can make money, but you're probably going to have to hold a little bit longer till the market comes back. If you're buying on a falling market, you could be, you could be holding for a long time because that market, who knows how long it's going to fall for. Um, like back in 08, 07, 08, I mean, that market fell and it took two years, two and a half, three years to really start coming back. You know, and I feel like 2012 to me was, was the time where I felt like, all right, we're, we're out of this thing. That's four years, four long years. Could you imagine buying an 08 as an investor and then waiting, having to wait all that time? So in a down market, I mean, I think everybody's pulling way back and you're going to find the segmented markets, the markets that do not go down on like everybody else would. Right. And, and that's, it's typical. You can find those markets pretty much everywhere, right? It's going to be like, honestly, right now, of course, after I sell my old neighborhood, Lake Barcroft is one of these little small segments that is hot. It's super hot. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing around. That place is still selling really well. And I'm pissed off <laughs> that, that uh, I sold a year and a half ago because my house would be worth about, you know, 250 to $300,000 more. But um, like I'm saying is, is you can always find those pockets, but in a down market, man, you have to be careful because those things can last very long. What I would suggest is, you know, uh, buy in a normal market on the seasonality, right? That's what I would personally do is try to buy in the winter, try to buy from October through January. That's when you're buying your investments and then you're flipping them to the, to the spring market. And that's when you're going to see your best return. We're talking about a lot about buying, but if you're a seller, I mean, this has got to pique your interest because if it is a declining market and you do have robots buying houses for more than they're worth, that's got to be worth looking into because oh. sometimes 
There could be something fundamentally wrong with your house. Maybe there's a small master bathroom. Maybe, you know, there's a, a smell from a, you know, some sort of plant nearby that Zillow's not going to know about or Redfin's not going to know yeah. about. It would behoove you to look into one of these programs, would save you the time, effort, and, you know, maybe there is that 7%, 8%. I don't know what the convenience chart, <laughs> convenience charge is on, on these, <laughs> but if a robot will buy your property for more than it's worth in a downturn market, I mean, yeah, if you're a buyer, you know, these, these properties are sitting on the market and they're losing value, but if you're a seller, why not get a computer to overpay for it? That's right. And like I said, they're probably a month, month and a half behind. So if you feel that, and not all, all cases, right? Algorithms are going to be a little bit behind, but um, that's true. If you're a seller and you know, and you feel that that market's pulling back and they're making you an offer, you're taking that offer, right? I mean, don't be stupid about it. And actually you were talking about that the other day where you had a client and you were like, well, listen, I mean, maybe the best choice is to go after, you know, not have me sell it, but have, uh, you know, one of these iBuyers buy it. Right? Yeah, because what you want to do is you just want to look at the net sheet and right. like have Redfin or Zillow be like, all right, just get to the bottom number, like whatever the sales price is, take out whatever your fees is. And then look at the traditional real estate agent, take out the fees. Um, and then, you know, even if it's within like 2,000, 5,000, it, it may make sense where you're saying, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to paint the walls. I don't have to do this. It would have taken, you know, cost me $6,000 or something to get this property cooking. And I, I can just walk out the door and, and take my money. And not only that time, right? It would have taken a couple of weeks where that's, that's money too. So yeah, it's something definitely to look into. I feel like um, most people, not everybody, but most people want to, would say, Hey, Sean, can you, can you help me get my property to sell for more? And I'll say, yes, um, you have to put $10,000 into it and I will, I will get you your money out plus, you know, way more than that, $10,000, $15,000 more because by doing this work, it, it works almost every single time. Right. Um, but you just have to have the know-how, the colors to use, the, what material to use, not to spend too much money, know the contractors that can get in there quickly. That's the key. Um, and if you don't have that, then you're just going to be squandering and spending too much money and taking too much time. Yeah. I right. think a few years ago that, you know, that price of like, we guarantee you will, you know, you, your house will sell or we'll buy it. It's like, whatever that, that price was, it's like, yeah, dude, I'd buy it too for 70% if it's after repair value. Yeah. Um, that was like a laughable number. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is a joke of a, of an, of a number, but now it's like, okay, well let me hear your number. I may laugh you out of the room, but it's at least worth my time to check in with Redfin, check in with Open Door. They're not, Open Door is not in, DC, not in Arlington and check in with Zillow, you know, to hear what they have to say. Yeah. I mean, they might pay you more. We, we have plenty of examples and I think you just went to see a property hmm. um, that was, you know, that was, oh, well, priced under what they just bought it for. And that's crazy. Yeah. And Redfin has like 70 or so listings in the DC metro area. And I was looking at the, the active and the, and the sold a lot of them, they were around the same price that Redfin bought them for. Some were a little bit higher. So I think there are some value plays where Redfin bought it and then sold it for more. Um, a lot of them did have price reductions. So you're saying they, it's 70 or 80 that they purchased? In 70 area. or 80 that they purchased. And how do you know that they purchased it? So I went on the tax records in Bright MLS and then searched Redfin borrower okay. with like an asterisk and then like 70 popped up. Wow, that's Active, cool. under contract, pending. Sold. So it actually goes in as Redfin. It's not like a, a, a it's sub, like sub Redfin borrower. Oh, that's like that. cool. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. That's, that's really good. Um, the fact that they bought 70 or 80 in this market is pretty incredible. Yeah.
I can um, find anyone <laughs> in any town with just amazing. a phone number and a name. Isn't it awesome? Like, yeah, you can. Watch but like, out, world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what do you know about me? <laughs> you don't want to know. I know, dude. So uh, let's end with this. Zillow stock down big. It's down 31% over, oh. The, uh, oh, over the past six months. It did drop, you know, uh, a little little bit of a tick down. It was at like 95. It went down to about 85 um, when this news was announced. Now it's back up to 93, but nowhere near the $143 per share that we were seeing around April 26th. Good time to buy? Always a good time to buy stock. Dollar cost averaging. Yeah, exactly. That, well, you're a very smart guy. Don't buy That's... Zillow leads. Buy Zillow, Zillow stock. stock. Does right. that make me a hypocrite if I like... I mean, I, I want no. the industry to succeed. I don't think Zillow is going to be the end-all, be-all, but I do think they have a valuable product, and I think I believe in that product by buying their stock, you know, not, not, buying, not their buying their leads. No, I agree. I think you're not a hypocrite at all. I think you're going to buy something that's smart that says, hey, is this value going to go up? I think it will. Right now, it's it's the time to buy because it's low, right? But um, you're not a hypocrite. I wouldn't buy the leads. I mean, I thought about it many times, but now that they're a brokerage, I'm like, get out of here. There's absolutely not. You know, there's no way now. Um, and uh, stock-wise, you buy when there's the opportunities there to buy it, and I think it's a good good one. Yeah, and and just like in real estate, you know, you buy when the uh, when the opportunity is there. That's right. And you and you sell when it's there. So if Zillow comes knocking on your door, wants to overpay for your house, you know, maybe worth it to at least entertain the offer before you slam the door on their face. Yeah. Okay, guys, would love to know your thoughts on Zillow halting their home buying process. You can put your comment in the comment section below. And for Sean and myself, thank you so much for watching. Until next time, we'll see you then. Take care.